you know, they're not really making that move. So that first time home buyer has less inventory um, and then we'll continue for some time unless rates drop into un under five. Once they drop under five, there'll be a, uh, a plethora of inventory coming to market. Welcome to the Home Buying Podcast with Marat from The Lending Group. Agents, grab insights from top industry leaders, explore best practices, and redefine success. Stay ahead, stay informed, and take your real estate career to the next level with Marat. Now let's get started. All right, uh, guys, welcome to the first time home buyer seminar. Um, as you know, my name is Marat, and today we are joined by Maria Quatrone. Uh, from Remax, she is a top producing agent in the Philadelphia, Bucks, Montgomery County. Um, lots of years of experience, um, and and has a lot of things. Will have a lot of things to share with us. Um, so, Maria, thanks very much for coming out today. Really appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, Mara. Thank you for having me. Excited to speak with you today. Awesome, awesome. So, Maria. Tell us a little bit about your journey. How did you get here? How did you become an agent, broker, owner? Um, why why did you choose real estate? Mm, good question. So prior to real estate, I was in advertising sales. I sold for radio advertising for a group of radio stations for 11 years. So I learned how to door knock, cold call, um, do real sales in comparison to real estate because radio, I'm actually selling air. So you can't see, feel, or touch it. And poof, 30 seconds, 60 seconds later, it's over. Right. So after um, just about almost 11 years in the business, I decided to, I wanted to do something different. And a friend of mine approached me and he asked me what I thought about a career in real estate. And I didn't really know much about it at the time. So I did my homework and I decided I was going to go for it. So my first uh, year in the business, I had a dual career. I worked in both radio and in real estate. Mm -hmm. Some days, most days, I didn't know if I was coming or going. I never say part-time because I did work. Like I tried to work my best as a regular, two regular, two regular time jobs at the same time. Yeah. Um, it was a bit challenging, but... I immediately loved it, and I didn't even feel like it was work <laughs> for many, many, many years. Uh, today's a little bit of a different story, but yeah, entered in 2004, and pretty much was pretty, but I ended the other career in early 05, so was solely focused on real estate in 05. And pretty much hit the ground running. Um, I had already the scale, this excuse me, the sales acumen, and I just needed to learn the real estate market. So I dived in deep, uh, worked seven days a week. I uh, went to open houses because at the time, showing time was not an app. You could just schedule. You had to schedule with brokers. Um, so I would preview property, um, learning all about the different areas um, in town at the time and what pricing was like and how to price properly for listing property and telling buyers about property um, that I've seen so I can compare them to other properties that they're looking at in regards to pricing. So um, quickly catapulted into starting a team um, at the end of a five, which at the time was very unpopular. So I had that going for me. <laughs> you're, um, and you're one of the few that's been around since before 2008. Not not too many of us are, are around, I guess. Yeah, people yeah. Love the industry. 
Yeah, there's um from the on the realtor side, there's about seven percent people have been in the business since two thousand eight or before. Wow. I wonder what it is on the mortgage side. I never looked at that statistic. Probably right around the same, I would imagine. Yeah, they probably have that. Well, the thing with mortgage is a little bit different than real estate. Is there like career mortgage people who will come in when there's a boom of yeah. the refis and work as long as they were there? That's going and then they go out and then they come back in again. So real estate isn't quite like that. Um so you you might have people a little bit longer just for that in itself because they they literally will come in just to do refi business. Huh. I never I've never thought of it that way. I just I was always more on the purchase side. So um, you know, throughout Yeah, yeah, there's a whole like group, there's a whole group of people. Um, I found out like last year when I was talking to people, yeah, they, they come in and they go out and they come in. So when the markets are hot, and you know, some of them have like other businesses or you know, they make so much money during that time uh, because they're just, uh, for lack of better words, order takers. Yeah. Uh, and they're and they have such a high level of skill with order taking and getting deals through a pipeline that they could handle massive amounts of business. Huh, interesting. So, uh, getting back to you a little bit, well, you started the team in 05. That that was before really teams were a thing, so to speak. Yeah. What drove you to? expand to a team instead of a single agent? So I really quickly have decided I was only in a business a couple months and I hired an admin. I realized that I'm not good on the paperwork side or anything mm -hmm. that requires, you know, typing and putting things into a computer. Mm -hmm. um, I'd rather pull all of my hair out. So I realized what I was best at and that was really client facing and um, on the sales and real estate side. So I had to replace myself. You know, if you don't have an admin, you are your own admin. Um, and then I had other business because I was bringing in listings and listings organically give you buyer sales. And then there were more buyers to follow up on. So I just brought some people into the business that I knew um, and kind of went from there. Awesome. And how many agents do you have now? You have a big team now. Well, we're not actually that big. There's about, um, let's see, agents, 13, staff, field services, VAs. There's about 20 of us or so. Good size team. We have a lot of support, support staff. So. Yeah. I mean, that's been kind of the model in the last, I would say, five to seven years that rainmaker mentality where you have one main individual that's able to bring in the business and then you have the sports staff. So you got ahead of it for sure. Yeah. It started a long, long, long while ago. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, let's shift a little bit to today's market. You know, we hyper-focus on buyers, a lot of first-time home buyers or investors. So I know you're in different parts of Pennsylvania, you're in Boxer, Montgomery County. You're in Philadelphia. So just give us a little bit of an overview in each market. I know that it's such a micro neighborhood from neighborhood to neighborhood. It's a little different. What are you seeing? What do you? What can you share with us? 
Yeah, it definitely is uh, different from price point and location uh, for sure. And so your entry level um, first time home buyers pretty much challenged across the board, mm -hmm. not just in one county, but pretty much most counties um, due to the fact that the second time home buyer is not just not selling due to the low interest rates that they have. And they're not willing to, unless they're absolutely forced to from a lifestyle standpoint, not willing to give up that lower rate to get, take a higher rate on a property that may be um, similar to theirs in regards to pricing, but not yet that much of an upgrade. So unless they have to be, have to because of you know family, growing family, shrinking family, and they really need the space or they really don't need the space and they have to downsize then. You know, they're not really making that move. So that first time home buyer has less inventory um, and then we'll continue for some time unless rates drop into un under five. Once they drop under five, there'll be a, uh, a plethora of inventory coming to market. Do you think that the amount of inventory will be offset by the demand or do you anticipate uh, you know, some price drops if the rates go down. Because I know from my standpoint, there's so many people on the sidelines. Hey, I'm just waiting for the rates to go down. I'm waiting for the rates to go down. I can afford, I can afford more. <clears throat> do you think it'll balance and prices will be stable and still appreciate? Or do you see some depreciation? <clears throat> it's a, I think it depends on where it is and what price point that you're looking at. I think the higher end of the market is definitely feeling it a little more. There's less inventory moving mm -hmm. in the higher end of the market than there is in the entry level marketplace. Also, yeah. from a standpoint of the buyers um, waiting on the sideline, the thing is, you can be waiting on the sideline if you already own a home, perhaps, and you're just waiting to make the trade. And so you're waiting for rates to come down so you can get the same rates so you can afford more of a house. So I can get I get that why people want to do that. But if you don't own a home and you're waiting, you're just going to pay more money later, whether it's in price or in rate. In this case, if the rates come down, it will be in price. And at least if you get the house now versus sitting on the sideline and waiting for the rate to come down, you'll buy it at a price that will still be less than it will be for next year or the year after if we look at what the trends are over the next five years it's going to be about a 24 percent growth over a five-year period i can plug it into many different areas and show somewhere between 20 and 25 percent um growth in prices regardless of whatever the rate does but if it's the same rate um or if it goes down and you already bought then you have equity otherwise you're still renting a property running a house or an apartment yeah absolutely i mean i've done that and you build new equity yeah no i totally agree i've done the analysis for clients many times over um you know using like a five hundred thousand dollar home or a three hundred thousand dollar home and even if you're only going to see nominal appreciation of maybe five percent if you wait the equity you lose and the wealth that you lose in building uh from, from the original home purchase um, it, it greatly outweighs the savings you may see in the mortgage payment. So, yeah, maybe a hundred percent without a doubt. Plus, you know, you don't have the tax uh, 
uh, the tax benefit Correct. of home ownership, right? Or a certain amount for your to, for your deduction. You don't have that. You're not building any. We know that net worth is built on home ownership Correct. and owning real estate. And so a renter's average net worth is around 5,300 and a homeowner's over time is worth about 230,000. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, in terms of, in terms of, I guess, buy, on the buyer side, what could a buyer do or what would you recommend? Two or three things you would recommend for a buyer do today uh, in order to get into a house in the next 30 to 45 days? What what can they, how can they prepare? And if they're prepared, what, what can they do? Like, especially in still many markets of competitive offer, multiple offer scenario, what can they do to stand out? What have you done with your clients? So one of the things that we do if we're working, when working with a buyer, especially if we know it's going to be competitive, we do a walk and talk with an inspector. So mm -hmm. you hire an inspector for your showing and you basically do your inspection at the walk at the walkthrough. There is no formal inspection. It's called a walk and talk, and it's one hour long generally. And this way, you're able to waive your inspection contingency, so it's one less hurdle. Um, when putting offers together, I would look at how can we make this offer in the terms as tight as possible. You know, how much can you afford to put in escrow um, if you're putting. 10% or 20% down, put it all up in escrow, you know, make your offer as perfect as they come. I'm making sure you're working with a professional broker as well, who's going to give a solid offer pack. I can't tell you how many offer packets I get that are not done completely. We even have what's called a presentation of offers, which gives every single detail for an agent to use to make sure that the offer is perfect coming in and they still aren't. So you know what happens in a competitive situation? I just had one last week with 10 offers yeah. and there was two patch offers, one and then eight with mortgages. A one patch offer did not follow my instructions or at our company instructions that, you know, we have to make things smooth sailing and they didn't provide the, the signed buyer's financial statement. So I just discounted the whole deal because I had another offer cash and I had some higher offers, conventional mortgage. You know, when you're in a situation, you have to make sure every single thing is done. And then if you don't listen to your agent, your broker, shame on you. Yeah. Because some people don't want to provide this document, but how do I know where the money is a hundred percent coming from? Right. Or if there's any other liabilities when they're just showing me just a little bit more in an IRA or a portfolio than the house is worth, you know? So those are some things that I think are super important. Making sure even this by buyer's financial that it's filled out properly. I can't tell you how many times, even our own clients before we send it out, I'll review it. And I say to them, where's the rest of the money? They're like, well, I'm only showing this. I go, well, I need you to show all of it. Like I need you to and and redo it. It looks like chicken scratch. <laughs> you can't, I can't even read it. There's things crossed out. Redo yeah. it. Like it, it. The the devil is in the detail of the deal. Like if it comes across messy and it isn't buttoned up and it isn't 
nicely packaged, right? This is how the rest of the transaction will go. You, you know, success leaves clues and non-success leaves clues too. And I know it might sound like this is goofy or silly. It's just paperwork. It is critical to getting an offer accepted because when you have 10 in front of you, I'm not going back and asking for a BFI. Not happening. 100%. I agree with you. Same with our industry. But, you know, if you guys, um, I, I wanted to, you know, underline something that you said that's very, very important. And and I, I don't think we hear it enough, or I, I this is the first time I'm hearing it. The walk and talk is a great, great uh, nugget, so to speak, that the client, um, that a potential buyer can use and, and get the walkthrough. And this is why, you know, you want to deal with a seasoned agent like yourself that has these little nuggets that, you know, many people just don't know about or didn't think about or, you know, aren't cultivating. So I really appreciate that. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Yeah. The other thing that we do on the seller side is now providing a pre-inspection. Yeah. So the pre-inspection now allows the buyer to not have an inspection contingency, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which if you're a seller and you're moving out of state or, you know, you got a job somewhere or you need to buy, you're buying another house and it's conditioned upon this house closing, the last thing you want is to be on the market for or off the market for 10 days and find out the inspection blow up your transaction. So this ensures that the only thing that's going to blow it up if it isn't cash is the mortgage. And then talking with the mortgage lender or broker uh, bank and making sure that that buyer is buttoned up in regards to not only the mortgage itself, but the timeline. Can you close not on time? Can you close by October 31st? I want to guarantee that this deal's happening come hell or high water on that closing date. And so if that's our only contingency that's left, the chances of closing, uh, as well as the fact that we know the people on the other side, or if we talk to them and we understand the, the more the bank, and we know that they're, you know, a reputable company mm -hmm. and that they're going to follow through, especially if there is a relationship there. And the chances of missing a closing are slim, very slim. And the last thing you want to do is miss a closing or have closings to be pushed back. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. Um, anything else that a seller would do, you know, pre-listing? Uh, I mean, yeah, there's, there's things. I mean, the pre-inspection is important. <laughs> also, yeah. you know, I would say you should be offering a home warranty. It doesn't cost anything up front. You pay for a closing. It's another marketing tool. Making yeah. sure that, you know, if the house is in the area that um, will apply they can apply for CRA money, make sure that that's mentioned, virtual staging, making sure that if it's not a a property that needs rehab, that the house is clean, sparkling. Yeah. And that anything, you know, I just was looking at a property this morning um online for a client and he's like, well I want to see it. I said, it's a rehab. The out front looks like garbage. They didn't even take time to put proper landscaping in. It's one side, this, the grass is all rotted out. The other side, there's three little crappy plants. There's a, a hose that's sitting all in the picture, like all over the front. I said, so here's what I think when I see that. Lack of attention to detail. What's the inside of the house going to be? They flipped it in 
they closed in end of June and they put it on the market in early September. Now you're in the contracting business. How many houses are going to be flipped in eight weeks done really, really well that are 2,600 square feet? It's almost impossible. It's so it's just, it's basically lipstick on a pig. Yeah. To be so blunt. Yeah. But it's like cosmetic work that was done. So what the, if the uh, the systems, I mean, systems weren't updated and you want $250,000 more, forget it. Why even bother going there? Yeah. I said, I don't see any sense of going out to this house. I said, it's going to be like that other one we saw in the same area that had the same thing, a shitty, crappy rehab. Yeah, no. And then the buyer gets disappointed, right? So sometimes as an agent, you need to tell the client too. Like, look, this is what I'm seeing. You know, you can't ask people to that. Oh, let me take you here. Let me take you there. You know, it's more. It's more than that. It's like advising them on, here's the little things that make a big difference. So I tell sellers, when you are, if you're a home regular home seller mm -hmm. and you're, you're, your closets are packed with shit, like you ever open up like a linen closet and the stuff's going to be coming out at you or I said people that, and you can have a hundred closets, but the buyer thinks, oh my God, there's closets. There's no closet. There's not enough storage because they're all stacked with clothes and coats and sheets and get rid of the stuff. You yeah. have to move anyway. Yeah. Just I mean, you only get one chance to make a first impression. So one chance, make sure the house is clean and spotless. So I went in a house last night and mm -hmm. the person that lived there went to Dickinson Law. Mm -hmm. And this person happened to be a judge. Mm -hmm. um, they've passed now, but they had JFK on the wall. They had a thing of Abraham Lincoln. They had all this, all this stuff. So guess what my client and I were doing? Admiring all the stuff that he yeah. has and this cool thing and Ben Franklin photo and all this stuff. He obviously was a big history and political, right? Yeah. No, that stuff has to go away. Because it was, we were distracted for 10 minutes looking at all the stuff. So those are things that I would say to sell. Personal things like that, put them away. We want the new buyer to imagine themselves in your house. When you go to, when you put your house on the market, you have to, in your mind, say, this is not my house anymore. It's for the new buyer. I have to get rid of anything that looks like or feels like Maria. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, no, I, you know, it's funny because although, you know, I'm a lender, but like you said, I'm also in the contracting business. I tell the subs and, and, and the, you know, my project managers, you have to strive for perfection on the house before we list it. So yes, it's almost impossible to be perfect and some things may happen, but you have to take three, four, five walks around the home and make sure you're, there's no trash, the toilet seats are down, it's all clean, you know, make sure there's no paint blemishes and touch-up issues or anything else. It has to be perfect. And if you strive for perfect, you're going to create, you know, a, a good buyer experience. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. And even though, you know, some people will say that open houses are cliche and a thing of the past, I don't believe that. I believe buyers come, especially with new construction, and they will come and they will buy a house, walking through a house. And 
also, it's great to have ex exposure all the time for open houses. Even if people don't come, you get the marketing of actually having the open house out into the marketplace. Yeah. If you're doing ads on social and sending out email blasts, it's just like, you know, you have a birthday party and whoever comes, comes. But you're still going to have a great time at your birthday party, right? So you're still, everybody knows, like we do this uh, pie thing, this every Thanksgiving. Now, you may not ever come downtown to pick up the pie because whatever. You don't you think it's great, but you make your own pie, but Maria does this pie thing with mana, blah, blah, blah. So even if you don't get a pie, I still tell I invite everyone to have a pie. And so everybody knows we do it. So it's just the same thing for the open house. You're getting the marketing for the property, even if people don't come walk through the door. A lot of this, so a lot of um, agents don't think about. They're like, oh, they don't work. They don't work. Guess what? Everything works if you work it. There's all these tools in the toolbox, and you have to deploy all of them in today's marketplace, especially for the areas that aren't selling um, as great as some others. Yeah, awesome. Absolutely. Well, I mean, uh, is there anything else that you want to add? I think that you've given us so much very, very good information. I really appreciate that. Oh, well. Marat, I could talk for <laughs> days about yeah. real estate related things. Um, I will say that if you are a buyer that, you know, don't give up, yeah. um, especially if you're a first time buyer, don't get up, don't give up. Make sure that you are working um, with somebody who understands the market, understands where it's going, tells you the truth about where you need to bid in order to be successful in your bid. Um, and if you are a seller in the market, that is the same thing. If you're in an area location that's not selling as great as some of the single family detached homes in the suburbs, mm -hmm. that you need to have the right strategy. You need to have somebody tell you the truth. You need to understand what the inventory count is, what the absorption rate is, how long if no other homes came on the market today, would it cost, would it take to, to for your house to call, to sell at the current uh at the market price, maybe it's just a tad under. There's other, you know, strategies that have to be deployed, and every single property is different. So, to look at the whole situation and the pricing, the location, the condition, always these things. But even today, more so important that you have the right strategy uh, to get the to get it done. Awesome, appreciate that. And not that we, not that you always need this because you're everywhere. You know, you have social media, everything up and running. But if I'm a buyer or a seller, how do I find you? Yeah, you can email Maria at callmq. Uh, you can call our office. We always have somebody answer the phone here. It's 215-607-3535. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, all the social media channels. You can find me there. My website is mqrealestate.com. So any of those above, um, you can just Google me and I'll pop up. Awesome. Appreciate you. Thanks so much for making it out today. Uh, again, lots of good information. Guys, please check out Marie Quattrone um, if, if you need uh, you know, to buy, sell, or uh, I think you do rentals or something in your office. Well. Yeah, we, we help across the board. We're yeah. in commercial real estate as well. Awesome. It was great to talk with you today, Marat. Thank, Thank you for thanks. the opportunity thanks. to share. All right, thanks, Marie. Bye-bye. That's a wrap for today's Home Buying Podcast with Marat from The Lending Group. Real estate agents keep thriving and stay ahead with expert guidance from Marat. Join us again next time, and together, let's build a successful real estate future.